From lifestyle, fitness, beauty, travel, relationships, and self-care, Steph's got you covered. Welcome to your safe space, where you can stop what you're doing, relax, and let someone else do the heavy lifting for once. This is the Luxury Dropout Podcast with your host, Stephanie Joplin. I do want to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this video, letting you know that this is a trigger warning. You could possibly be triggered by something that I am saying that Leon is saying. I don't want to scare you away from it, but just in case you have experienced gaslighting, you've been with a narcissist, this could be triggering for you. So please, to your discretion, it's advised for this episode of the Luxury Dropout. People are afraid to hear those things and talk about it. That's why when I do my videos, I'm like, look, I know it's going to be triggered, but I'd rather trigger you in the video than you go out here and somebody put a trigger to your head. So you got to tell that friend the truth, try to give them help, paint a picture for them. The picture has to be ugly, build them up, reassuring confidence. Because a lot of times they fall into this trap with these people because they have low self-esteem, isolated. And that person, and now it feels like, oh, they love me. I'm getting this attention. And they have a, they, they're afraid to let go. Because then it comes to love bombing and it's sex bombing. And it's a, it's a mental game. It's torture. And they start to manipulate them. And it just goes over and over and over again. Then you have trauma bonding. So it's like, well, she won't listen to you. She'll listen to him. He'll say, well, how you listen to your girl? Your girl been flirting with me anyway. She's been looking at me too. So you can believe her over me? And she'll go, hmm, maybe you're right. And just, she won't go anywhere. But I would tell them the truth. Paint them an ugly picture. They're losing friends. They're losing family. You got to make them see these things constantly over and over again. And then they'll snap out of it because if not, they'll keep going back to this person, feeding them, feeding their sins, lust and greed, making them feel happy, building their self-esteem up, their confidence. And they just feel secure. Sometimes I think it's difficult because if they don't take your advice, which normally they won't, eventually you say you give an ultimatum. You're like, hey, either you stop talking to Leon or I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And then they're even more isolated. Yeah. They don't go close to that person too. Yeah. So like, would you recommend just not giving them that ultimatum, like writing it out with them? Like, what would you say? Yeah. I wouldn't give them an ultimatum because then they become hurt and angry and that'll push them closer to the perpetrator. Then she'll say, you know what Stephanie told me? She can't be my friend because I'm with you. He'll go, well, hell, we don't need her anyway. And she'll go, hey, you're right. I only see her once a week anyway. Yep. See, you don't need her. He'll start feeding more to her like, yeah, she don't even call you at nighttime. She didn't call you for your birthday, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she would start believing him more. But I wouldn't give them an ultimatum. I never do that. I try not to. I just say, hey, I'm going to be here. Because I have female friends and male friends that are going through that right now. Right now. And I'm like, yeah, hey, a male friend of mine is going through it. I'm like, man, look, I'll be here for you. And this is what I do. When we're together, me, my buddy, and say his mom, we're talking. I'll talk to his mom about why I got out of my relationship about why he needs, not him per se, but why I travel and do what I want to do and my freedom. But I'm talking about him, but he don't know it. Right. I do that. And he'll sit over there and go, man, that's a good idea. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. But I'll be talking to his mom and she'll go, you know what, Leon, that's a good idea. Blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking to her, but talking to him and then getting to him indirectly. So, so you have to stay around that person Every now and then, go back and reach out to them, but never give them an ultimatum because they'll shut down and feel like, oh, now Stephanie is giving up on me. So my mom's giving up on me, my dad. So all I have is Jesse, who's beating my ass. And it'll push them closer to that person. So don't give them an ultimatum, but 
when you guys are out, talk around them about good things. They're listening, but I always talk to somebody else, talk to them and they don't know it. What do you think about, I follow this woman, her name is Michaela. Her tag is Mystic Michaela. She reads auras, like color auras. She has a podcast and she talked about the fact that a narcissist love language is gaslighting. And I thought that was like a really interesting concept because say I'm the receiver of the gaslighting, right? So I'm like, wow, like this guy went out and made up this whole lie to try to keep me. And that means he loves me because he took the time to make up this web of lies and come up with like something to excuse himself. So that means he loves me. And I was like, wow, that blows my mind a little bit. What do you think about it? So that's the vindictive part to mask or hide his insecurities. Because the thing about it is you're going to find out. Well, guess what? When you find out, I don't give a damn anyway. I know that I'm fucked up. You just so happen to find out. So then you're going to find out and approach me and I'll be like, get the fuck out of that. We're going to find another person to keep doing it. That's all we're going to do. And I had that issue bad, like when I get caught in a lie and making up this grand scheme and I get busted in and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, but walk away, turn, I'm out. Yeah, but you still tried to make up this big lie. And I feel like that was your way of like showing your love, right? Your love language to that person was to gaslight them. Yeah, all they're doing is trying to impress you. Right. Knowing damn well it's not going to last. Or confuse you. Definitely confuse you. So here's the trick with that is once you find out, and this is what narcissistic do. This is what I did. Once she finds out, I'll change the conversation and then show her something that's really, really true that I did do. Right. Yes. That's being very manipulative. It's like, I know I messed up. I know, I know, but check this out. And this is going to be even better than what I told, what I lied about. So then what you say is, so, well, Leon, why did you lie? I'm like, I don't know. But we do it again. Sorry, baby. You know, I love you. Come on. Right? And that's yeah. what happens. So now you got this grand scheme of mine that I lied about. But then you got this, wow, this is amazing. You didn't lie about this. I'm like, well, you know, but it's a sickness. And most men don't lie, don't have to lie. We women, you all say, well, you don't have to lie. You just have to do something the truth. Let me make my own decision. No, that's not what we want to do. We don't want you to make your So I'm going to lie to you. And then I'm going to impress you, try to impress you. And when you catch me, I'm going to really impress you with this shit over here, which is the truth. <laughs> it's dangerous. It is really dangerous. And we laugh about it because we're trying not to cry. I say all the time. I'm like, ha ha ha, trying not to cry. So I talk about this all the time and we talked about it before. Narcissism, gaslighting, these are all buzzwords. These are like hot button words that people are saying and they're just using in their everyday jargon. Now, what is the difference between a narcissist and just someone who's manipulative. What is the core difference between those two? So I think the core difference is somebody that's manipulative is they're kind of like the same, but a narcissist has plenty other traits. Once they manipulate you, then it goes to being seductive. Then it goes to being covert. Then it goes to being malignant. Then it goes to being grandiose. And you got all these other things. So a manipulative person, I believe they have narcissistic traits, but but a narcissistic person got all kind of little tricks and traits and they master all of them. So you would say it is a personality disorder as opposed to just a trait that they have. Oh yeah. That's the personality disorder. Yeah, definitely. Because it stems from the childhood, what they didn't get, they were left behind, they were lost, they were bullied, low self-esteem, no confidence. 
sent to uh, orphanages or sent to uh, foster care, not trusted. People didn't believe in them. People gave up hope. And it's like, I'm going to show these MFs. I'm going to prove to them the whole time because I was the same way the whole time. It's like you have anger issues, too. So I wasn't like a physically abusive person, but I was very verbally abusive. That was my way of hurting people, hurting women by using certain words. And so that felt good to me. I didn't want to see somebody get their teeth knocked out or their nose broke. How weird is it for me to be like, say some things to a woman and drive her to want to commit suicide? And I'd be okay with that. I did that too. And a woman almost killed me and her in a car. I had played all these games with her mind. And I'm like, I never slap you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Leon, you said this and I caught you with this girl and you lied and you dropped the girl off and you came over here and you tried to make love to me after you dropped her off. I was sick, Stephanie. So my thing was, it's like, I had to tell myself that it's okay to not be physically abusive. You all right, dude, you cool. You just curse around, you just call the names, you put it down. I made myself think that that was okay. This is sick, if not more sick than being physically abusive because mental abuse is horrible. Technically, you're gaslighting yourself as a narcissist. Pretty much. Yeah. But see, the thing is, right, a lot of people don't understand that because they fall into that trap. They don't know that the narcissistic person is actually gaslighting themselves. So I did that a lot. Like I mentioned earlier, I did this with women. I said, look, you shouldn't mess with me because I am no good. Then they want you more. I knew this. I mean, at the time, I would be like, oh, let me get him right away. Yeah. Right. Let me try to prove him wrong or let me fix him or let me get him before anybody else gets him. I can help him. I can fix him. So, yeah, a lot of times they gaslight themselves. I did that. I got pretty good at it. That's another dangerous thing to do. Very dangerous because, like I said, then later on, she's like, well, you didn't. I did. I told you. No, I told you I wasn't good to be with, but you wanted to be with me. And then some women think it's funny. It's like, oh, that is kind of weird. But some reason I'm attracted to that. I've had women tell me that. Yeah. And I actually totally get that. Like as someone who has been a victim of that, I totally a hundred percent understand that. Like if I was in a vulnerable spot and you talked to me that way, I'd be like, Hey, let me send you a nude. Like, you know what I mean? Just why though? Yeah. And so another thing is like narcissistic people are very cocky. For instance, I would say, yeah, I ain't shit, but watch me get old girl. Anyway, I'm a cheater. I'm a liar. And then you do it in front of them. And then they like, this is kind of, because who would expect a person just like tell the truth like that about themselves and be telling the truth? It's like, no, nah, that's unbelievable. And no, nah, you're just being ironic. Yeah, no. Right? right. Ironic is a key word. How ironic is that? You telling me the truth about you, but you really that person? Nah, no way. Nah. Yeah. I did that a lot. A whole lot. I want to talk about like the love bombing. It's like, that's so important to talk about because it's like an epidemic right now. I think especially during COVID because people are getting into what I would call long distance relationships, sometimes even in the same city because they can't see each other. Now it's getting a little bit better, but well, actually here in Houston, it's starting to get worse now. It's getting worse here too. We got a hundred thousand cases in the last few days in Illinois. Yeah. So they have like camps outside the hospitals right now because they're full. Like there's so much stuff going on. But anyway, as I was saying during COVID, right? people would have these like long distance type relationships. And I feel like people wanted that closeness a lot. And so they would love bomb even. And when you say love bomb to say a man that doesn't understand what narcissism is, what gaslighting is, what love bombing is, they just think that that is like 
the old standby when you're 18 years old or 17 years old and you tell your 16 year old girlfriend that you love them to sleep with them. That's not the same thing. It's not what I'm talking about. It might actually have nothing to do with sex at all. It's like you want to feel that person's love for you, but then you're like, you don't want to actually commit to the relationship. So I had this argument with, I don't know if he has a psychology degree and I don't even remember his name, but he's one of those people who is on Instagram giving advice about relationship. And I got an argument with him because he said, someone asked the question, I had a boyfriend and he told me he loved me. And then he broke up with me two days later. And I was like, that's a love bomb. And he's like, you don't have enough information to make that assumption. And I said, maybe not, but I do know that if somebody tells you they love you and you've already been with them, no matter how long you've been with them, if it's been a week or a year, if that person tells you, I love you and then walks away two days later, that to me is a love bomb. hundred percent. Total manipulation. Because it used the words that she wanted to hear. Right. Exactly. That's the total boom, dump, love, love, love. And then boom, I'm out. Yeah. He did that to manipulate her again to seduce her. And now he's gone. Yeah. I agree with you. All of his like followers were coming for me and they're like, you throw narcissism around and you just use it too much. I'm like, I never said this guy was a narcissist. What I said was that that is love bombing to say, I love you and then disappear. That's fucked up. And that's to me, that is abusive. Yeah, it is abusive. Words are very powerful. And I knew that I played the dangerous game of listening to a woman. So women like when men listen, y'all do. Y'all love a man to listen, eye contact. And my thing was listen to see what I can learn about her. Again, like I mentioned earlier, that what she was missing, what she wasn't getting, what she didn't get from her dad, her boyfriend, ex whomever. I did the listening part so that I can do what she wanted. I can do the opposite of what she wasn't getting. And so, yeah, it's a very dangerous game to play. I did it. And it's a sickness because it's all about being manipulative and being selfish. I had this guy who was, he was at Marines and then army, and then he was doing contract work in Kabul. And he was like after me on Instagram for a solid year. We hadn't met, but like he was in Kabul on contract, Stephanie, like you're so pretty, blah, blah, blah. And I just like left him in the unread box. I was just like, I don't care. There was one night that I was particularly vulnerable. I had found out that a friend of mine had passed away or something like that. And so he reached out to me and his words were super kind and sweet. And so I ended up talking to him. And then over the course of about four months, we're talking, but then I would say after a month, he was saying, I love you. I want to marry you. You're the person that I was meant to be with. This is why I'm on this earth because of you. Like just those beautiful like words. And of course, me as a person who says their love language is, is words of affirmation, I'm just like gobbling it up. So he comes back from his contract. We end up meeting and literally like he stayed with me like just one night. Everything was fine. But in my gut, I was like, something's off, like something's going on. And I don't know if he was a narcissist. I honestly don't. And I'm going to talk to you about what I think it was, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But he literally like wants to marry me, wants to go look at rings, all the crazy, just like talking to my mother, talking to my mother on fast. Yeah. Like talking to my mother on Facebook about like what they're going to cook together, like that kind of thing. Okay. Like I'm talking like really in there. Okay. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. 
talking to my sister a little bit. Like my sister's really hesitant to talk to any guys that I date. Like she's very protective and he was even reaching out to her. So he left the next day and I was at work and he just didn't tell me. He just got on the road to go back to Dallas and just left. And basically like essentially after like a couple of days sort of ghosted, right? Now I know he had PTSD, which I want to talk to you about because I know you understand. He'd been through a lot in Kabul. He literally got blown up. His whole camp got blown up. He ended up getting like a huge settlement out of it. So he was physically sick. He was one of those people who wanted to be deployed constantly. He did not want to be home. And I don't want to make excuses for his behavior because I feel like this is me saying to you, like, it's okay that he did that to me because it's not. But I feel like I see this a lot and I hear it a lot from people who date military. What's not everyone? And I don't want to piss anyone off, but tell me what you think about that. So in the military, of course, I served 32 years. I deployed 11 times, spent 15 years out of sea. So half my career was spent on a ship. We have to come back from deployment and decompress. Also, when we're away, the minimum I was gone was six months. We are away. We are detached. We had to shift our whole mindset to go from the loving boyfriend, the husband, to warfighter, to steaming off the course of Iraq, to being up all night, 12-hour shifts, thing, looking on the horizon, you're seeing bombs going off, word about a ship coming in and shooting a missile and blowing the ship up and killing you. So we are like this for four months. We deployed for six months. We spent four months in the Persian Gulf, and we are not the same. When we come back, we don't know what we're coming back to. Some people come back to a house being empty. Some people come back to catching their spouse in bed with another man or woman. Some people come back to their grandmother, their father died, or they one of their children drowned at the beach. So we come back to like not knowing who we are. The kids have gotten older. The kids don't remember us. The mom doesn't trust us around the kid. We have to decompress. We even got anthrax shots. We took malaria pills, whatever, all type of stuff. So we have a hard time reacclimating back into society. When you're out to sea for six months, when you're in the Persian Gulf, when you're in Kabul, when you're in Afghanistan, nobody's telling you they love you, right? Now we have FaceTime. We have Zoom, right? But back in the day, and even now, you may not want to here, I love you. It's like, babe, I can't hear that right now. Boom, boom, boom. It's like, what do I do? This is my girl telling me she loved me because we got mortars coming in. We got bombs coming in. We got a ship over here. We got a small ship attacking us. It's like, and then you get back to where now it's calmed down. You want to go to sleep. You think about your girlfriend, the boyfriend, whomever you're with, husband, wife, your kids. And it's just like an emotional roller coaster that we can't do anything about. You get on that roller coaster when you deploy and you are on it for six, seven, eight, nine months or a year when they're in Afghanistan or they're in Kabul, they're over there for a year, right? And then you're like, okay, you know, let's FaceTime. I don't want to get mushy right now because I got to be on guard. And then when you finally come back, you're emotional. You want to love. You haven't been loved. You want to hold somebody. You want to get married. You want to have a family because you're getting older. You're tired of the military. It's like, Oh, something got to give. Uh, let me just disappear because I got to keep my job. I like Stephanie. She's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But I'm dealing with these emotions right now. 
So because he was out, like he wasn't going to do contract work anymore. And he'd spent over a decade in the military. So it's not like he was new to it. He knew what it meant to come back from deployment or back from overseas or back from seeing whatever he was seeing over there. Yeah, but we don't process it like that. Like I said, I deployed 11 times to the Middle East. But you're not sitting there telling a woman you want to marry her when you get back, right? Yeah, we do that. Okay, you do do that. Okay. Yeah, you come back because you're emotional. (laughs) You haven't been hugging a woman, you haven't had sex. You just, in most cases, when you're in like Afghanistan, you're not around women. No, I'm saying when you're there, you, would you tell a woman, when I get back, I want to marry you? Done it. Okay. Wrote letters. When I first joined, we had to write letters. We didn't yeah, have of course. Yeah, but then emails. Like, you think about it. You're emotional. You're deprived. You haven't held a woman. You haven't kissed a woman. And you just like thirsty for that. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, people get out of jail. It's like they have pen pals. They get married in jail. You know, like your, your girl's ex, whatever. Get married in jail. It's the same thing. It's like your men get lonely, too. That's why that's their way of saying, hey, you know, I'm lonely. They're not going to say, baby, I'm lonely. Hey, I want to marry you. You're beautiful. But then when you see somebody and you deploy, it seems like everybody looks good. It's like, damn, she looks beautiful. Maybe she don't like me. But then you start showing me attention. It's like, wow, she does like me. Maybe he didn't have a relationship for two years or he screwed up all the relationships. Now he want to try it with somebody else and see if he can still operate in a relationship. So, yeah, we tell women, yeah, when we get back, we're going to do this. We're going to travel. We're going to get married. I want to get engaged. We talk about all these things. I did it too. And then you get back, it's like, oh. Well, damn. So, well, that makes me scared to talk to anyone who's military now. That's some good man. Don't take me the wrong way. There's some good man in the military. Not all of them are like that. Actually, there's a lot of them. Most of them are pretty supportive. And they provide and they protect. But we do have PTSD. We do have it. And I get that. Yeah. For the most part, the men and women in the military are very, very good. Type A personality, a lot. Sometimes aggressive, over-aggressive, sometimes very, some of them can be passive. Some of them can be passive-aggressive. Some of them can be understanding, endearing, listening, communicate. Because when you move up in the military, you become a leader. So you have to work on your EMIQ, your emotional IQ, right? Passion, compassion, empathy, and courage. That transitions over to your relationship, if you do it. I never transitioned my EMIQ into any of my relationships because at the end of the day, I just want to go most time. But I was a provider. I love women. I want to protect her. I want to take care of her. So a lot of people in the military and that are senior leaders have a pretty high EMIQ. Some of them have a low IQ. Some of them have a high IQ and a high EMIQ. It is, but that's rare, but it happens. But yeah, there's some good military men and women that you can date. What am I supposed to look out for if a guy approaches me and he's in the military and he wants to get to know me and talk to me? Because I am one of those people who doesn't have a roster. I don't have a bench. Like once I'm talking to one guy, I want to focus on one person. Not that I'm saying, oh, we need to be boyfriend, girlfriend right now. That's not what I mean. What I mean is for me personally, I don't want to get to know five people at once. I want to get to know one person at once. If it doesn't work out, then I go to the next person. So I'll tell you this. Yeah. You know what marriage vows are, right? Yes, of course. Whether you've been married or not. Yes. Most people do not talk about relationship vows. They don't. Right. People never even heard of relationship vows. They haven't. So what are relationship vows? Same thing as marriage vows. You want to be the same way in a relationship as you are in your marriage. You want to treat them the same way until death do us part for sickness and health or whatever it goes. You want to talk about relationship vows. You want to talk about the components of a relationship. They say there's 10. 
I learned these in therapy. You want to talk about his past. You want to tell him about your past. I've dated, slept with a whole lot of women, sadly. Not one time in all of my relationships has a woman asked me about my past. Not one time. My dad was verbally abusive. My dad was alcoholic. Great man, worked hard, loved me to death, loved my brothers and sisters, loved my mom, right? My mother had a very addictive personality. My dad's personality was extreme. Nobody knew that, Leon, you have an addictive personality, you have an extreme personality. Not one woman asked me about my past. They never knew that my mother was a drug addict until I told them. So, Leon, what are you addicted to? What were you addicted to as a child? Why were you addicted to porn? Do you like older women? You know, do you like me? Do you like short hair? Do you like long hair? Do you like lipstick? What do you like? So we don't talk about those things. We don't talk about the love languages. It's very important. You need to ask him about his love languages. You need to ask him about his past life, his exes. Why did they break up? How long? And so these are interviews. You have to do it. We date and we go to dinner. We go to movies. We look in each other's eyes. We hold hands. We flirt. I drop you off, get you the next day. We start over. Another thing we don't talk about, seasons and reasons. Like, Stephanie, what season are you in? Well, I've been divorced for a while, in my early 30s. I'm starting a podcast. My season right now, Greg, is my podcast, interviewing people. I want to travel here, but I want to get a better microphone. I'm whatever. I'm just, no, you're good. I'm just saying. I want to get my followers up to 100,000. I want to get monetized on YouTube. That's your season. So what can I do as Greg to bring better energy to your season. Okay, Steph, let's go check for some microphones. Let's go look for somebody that can edit your content. I found somebody. So we working together. Like, and so you asked me, so, well, Greg, what season are you in? Well, I'm getting into fitness now. I want to lose 15 pounds. I want to compete. I want to run a marathon. So now we're understanding that I like what you do. You like what I do. So it's not, now it's not a problem. So when I see you doing a podcast next Wednesday and I want to go to dinner, oh, my girl told me she's doing a podcast next Wednesday. I'm going to go get her a dinner while she's doing a podcast. When she's done, here we go. Or as soon as she's done, I order her a fruit basket, okay? But see, the thing is, it's about understanding your partner, the season and why they're in that season. Sometimes you're coming out of a season because you just lost a baby or you just got divorced or your child support went up or your alimony went up. That's his season right there. Financial season is a little jacked up. Are you going to be able to work with him on that? So the thing is open and honest up front. All right. So what is Stephanie like? Stephanie likes cantaloupe. She likes kiwi. She likes pink nail polish or whatever. So you have to know your partner, the components of a relationship, what they like, what they dislike their past, their mother, father's past. If we have children, if you have a son already, when he comes over, would you allow me to discipline your son? Would you allow me to discipline your daughter? Who's going to do what chores in the house? Am I doing the garbage and the dishes and you do the cooking and cleaning the gutters? Who's going to do the cars? Who's going to do the components of relationship? And so when we date, you date a person based on their looks and their status, their car, their house, their job, whatever. But you don't even know that person. You can tell a lot about a person about what they drive. They got to have a BMW. They got to have a Louis Vuitton bag. They got to have red bottoms. They got to have Birkin purses. I got to have a $10,000 diamond ring haircut instead of something simple. Let's go roller skating. Let's go to the park and feed the ducks. A lot of women don't get those things because not all men. Some men want to impress them with their money and their car and their house. 
Well, that's why this podcast is called The Luxury Dropout, because I used to concern myself with how much designer shit I could accumulate. And it means nothing. Yeah, that's very superficial. You can get a guy that graduated from UNLV, GPA, he's a lawyer, but he may not be shit. You get another guy that, that went to, let's say, Cleveland State or NYC, got a decent car, a nice condo, great morals, character and integrity and will make you feel beautiful. Well, this guy that graduated from UNLV, got drafted, is an NBA, but he's an asshole. Oh, yeah. Well, most pro athletes are not great. So, But the bar is so low. I feel like whenever I'm talking to someone that I care about, I always ask them, how can I support you? How can I help you? What can I do to support you, basically? And the bar is so low right now, and men still can't get over the damn bar. And that's what frustrates the fuck out of me because it's like the littlest thing. Like, for example, I had this boyfriend who I broke up with in March and he would leave me hanging until four, five, six o'clock on Saturday, not knowing when, if we were going to hang out and me being the person that I am, I was like waiting, you know, Hey, when are you going to be off work? But really he's like creating work to avoid real work, which is a relationship. And so he was just basically leaving me in the wind and I would just get... How long were you all dating? Just six months because honestly, his mother was like trying to get me to stay with him. So she would just make all kinds of excuses. It was a shit show. So his father, very stern guy, like a good guy, but very stern, but like throws money at everything. Like if there's a problem, he would just kind of throw money at it to make it go away. Generous guy, like has two other daughters with a different wife and the family is a little dysfunctional. He didn't know how to relate to you. No, no. He didn't know what gaslighting was. He didn't know what a narcissist was. He got angry when I tried to show him the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. Like he was very old school, like Italian mentality. And he was just like, this guy is taking advantage of this girl just because he has money. And I was like, why are you angry? It's a movie. Like, are you okay? He would act really irrational. And then he was really weird about sex. And like, sometimes he'd be like, can we just cuddle? And I'm like, yeah, but are you all right? Like, it wasn't anything to do with me. I don't know. He would never tell me if he was. I have no idea. Like he was closed off. Super closed. But the thing is, is like, he's like a mommy's boy in the sense of he doesn't like love his mommy like that, but he talks to her every day. She goes over to his house, cleans his house, does his laundry. Oh, that wasn't going to last. That wasn't going to work with you. Right. Exactly. So then with me, it was like, hey, babe, can you order this for me off Amazon? Can you order Uber Eats for me? Can you order my groceries to be delivered? And I'm like, you'd have been more successful, which is in a negative way. By being his mother. Yes, I know. And that's why like the bar was so low that if he would let me know what we were doing by noon, I was like, oh my God, he loves me. Like what? No, no, that is not even a thing. But now he's back with his ex that terrorized our relationship, his baby mama. It was his fault too, because he would lie to her and be like, I'm not with anyone. What are you talking about? You're crazy. Who's Stephanie? I don't know who that is. Like, and he would just gaslight fuck out of her. And so she was already crazy and then went even more crazy because she knew that he was lying. So I had to get like a cease and desist against her and for my company, she still didn't cease and desist. And even to this day, like four months later, 
she's texting me, messaging me. She's made up like 50 different Instagram accounts, like asking me if I'm talking to him. I'm like, I don't respond, but I'm like, girl, I'd rather eat broken glass than talk to that guy. You know what I mean? If I'm going to be in their life forever, poor them, because that ghost of all this lying and craziness is just always going to be there for them. You know, what really messed her up is when she saw you. Oh yeah, probably. There ain't no problem. She was done because what happens is he can say whatever he wants to her. Oh, I don't like her, blah, 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 blah. Then she looks at you and she sees you and you look better than her. You're taller than her, whatever. She can handle that. Now she's going to do whatever she can to keep him away from you. So Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Until you find a man and go away. Yeah. And he was just like, I would never want her. I don't want her back. He would be like, I know where I'm going to bury her body. Like he's being like hyperbolic. Like he's not legitimately going to kill her. Basically telling me how much he hates her. His family hates her. The mom hates her. They have this whole drama where like when she was moving out of the house, when they'd broken up originally, she took footage of his mom going crazy because he was out of town. So she was like trying to get her not to take all his shit. Like the Grinch who stole Christmas, like literally left like hooks on the wall, like, and that's it. And so she was like screaming, like frantic. And this girl posted the mom going frantic on Facebook for all the Italian community to see. So like everybody hated her, but now he's like going back to her because she's a pick me girl. She's a pick me, pick me. I'll do whatever you want. I'll order your groceries. I'll clean your house. I'll wipe your ass. She's his mother. Yes. And I talk about that in the book that I wrote before, a rape relationship book about men that look for their mother and the women that they date. It can go one or two ways. They can look for a woman that acts like their mother and gives them everything, does everything, listens to them, make sure that they're right, don't tell them that they're wrong. Or they can find a woman that is very nurturing, that's very solid, very strong, very caring, and then they get used to that. And so they look for that. And their woman, they look for those traits. So it can go either way. It can be where he wants a good woman or one that kisses his ass like his mother did. And then he can't do any wrong. So yeah, they do that, definitely. So me, my case, since I lost my mother, I was always looking for a nurturing type of woman that could be there for me to listen, you know, would put me down, believed in me, gave me reassuring confidence. That's what I look for. Because I'm a very independent guy. I've been independent since I was 11. So I don't need you to do anything for me. But if you want to... I'm fine with that. I don't need you to wash my clothes. I can do that and fold and I can clean up the house. I can do all those things. So we look for that type of woman in our woman by like we're emulating our mother, but it can be good and bad. Right. Well, talking about childhood, I think I was talking to you about this last night where you're born an empath, you have empathy, whatever, but I had a great childhood. And I, like I said, I thank God for that. I'm so happy that I had the childhood I had. I was so sheltered. And something that you said really resonated with me when we were texting last night and you said, settling creates anger. And that basically I didn't get in those relationships. I didn't get what my parents were embodying or taught me about. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you got it, but the person that you were with didn't have that. So you attract, you select certain people, certain men. So my ex-wife, I've had all good women. I was always a bad person. But my ex-wife had character and integrity and morals. So she expected me to have that because she was taught that. And it's like, when you're a person like you that has character and integrity and morals and your parents are still together and they taught you all this stuff, you expect the world to be like that. 
Like you said last night, you get out there and it's like, you did what? How do you do that? What? It seems like it's real foreign to you. But people like me have been in the weeds and out here in the streets and dysfunctional as hell. That's all I know. I look at you like you were square. You know, you've been sheltered. You don't anything, Stephanie. What's wrong with you? You don't have any street cred, all that type of stuff. But those women are great women and they always meet the opposite. They say opposites attract. They do. But opposites subtract. They do. Because the person that you're meeting is going to drain the hell out of you. It's going to take from you. And you wind up meeting somebody that's manipulative, that's vindictive, that's covert, all these traits. And then we make a fool out of you. And now you can settle with this guy because the sex is great. And now you're angry because he was a piece of shit. And you're coming from this great family, these morals, like my ex-wife, and then she met me. And I turned her life upside down. So... That's what I say. When you settle, you become angry. Then you start. Now you're into it. Women love time. They love quality time. They love time in a relationship. You guys don't want to break it off so soon. It's like, hey, we're building on something here. Where men are like, shit, we're not building on nothing. I'm good. I'm happy. Especially when they're dysfunctional like me. It's like, I'm good. I'm out. But when you're coming from a family with morals and character, integrity, and your parents working on their 35th or 40th year anniversary, and you meet a guy like me that parents got divorced 30 years ago, and I don't have inner moral compass. My outer moral compass is all off, out of whack, spinning out of control, dysfunctional, disoriented. You meet me, it's like, hmm. So you meet a guy that's just like you, he's going to be boring. It sounds weird, but you meet a guy that's got character, integrity. He's a Christian. Mother probably been married for 40 years. They go to church. They got the nice sounds of car. Everything is solid. Some women, I've met women that tell me, like, I like that, Leon. It's good, but... I just want somebody to live on the edge, somebody to take me out and just go have fun and let's go drink and run the streets and get chased by the police. Some women just want a little bit of that. Do you remember what happened to Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah, they got destroyed, right? Yeah, they got destroyed. So yeah, but that ride, before they got caught, they were good, you know? So some women, not all, some women want that edgy type of guy, you know, that rough around the edge is that bad boy type. Look at Whitney Houston. Oh, my God. Poor lady. And then had Bobby Brown and had a kid bomb and she's dead. Her daughter's dead. Her daughter's boyfriend, her husband's dead. You know, she was in church. She was raised up in church and she sang and sang in church. And all of a sudden she meets him. Maybe she was doing drugs before him. I don't know. But when she met Bobby Brown, it got worse. Women with morals, integrity, and character are great women to have. But then you meet that person and you get out here like, my mom and dad didn't tell me. It's not that they didn't tell you, but... They were raised like this, and this is what they saw. This is what we believe. All this other stuff, now you're not going to encounter that. And then you do, and you're like, well, shit. Like you said, the bar is so low now. It's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would literally rather be alone the whole rest of my life than deal with it again. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. I've been dating for 20 years, and I'm like, not 20, but like almost. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I feel like it's been a lifetime, but I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm really tired. A lot of women feel that way and it's getting worse not getting any better and it's like more women than men and it's like i know a lot of women are professionals like leon what do i do i got a job i'm a professional i got my own house my own car my credit score is 800. you literally described me just now by the way (laughs) and you're single it's like i know a lot of women out here it's like i'm like It's baffling to me. I can imagine what you all have gone through is because you said, look, I've done everything. I even lowered my standards. And I'm like, I did. Oh, 100%. But it's funny because when men ask me, they're like, 
So why are you single? What's wrong with you? That's, That's what the they first say. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, nothing's wrong with me at all. I'm fucking perfect. <laughs> right. Okay. <They're> like, <laughs> see, if they go into a relationship, one team longevity, and if they have staying power, they can have a good woman. But these guys from their 20s up to 45 years old are still playing around. I was in relationships, but I was still, I wasn't serious about it. I didn't settle down, but I've always had great women in my life. And it's like, I see women now, I'm like, yo, man, why don't you go talk to Nah, man, I... you're right. It's horrible out here. The men that are single are not single, really. They might not be in a relationship with one person, but they probably be in a relationship with three or four men. And you don't find out till it's too late. So you got your heart broken and women coming at you to key in your car and Oh my God. I'll tell you a quick anecdote. I dated a Texans player, like probably, I would say eight, seven, eight years ago. And he was married, but separated. And it was all over the news that he was separated. So I knew it was like a legit separation. And he and I were pretty close. Like we would go on trips, like we would spend time together. We would hang out after his games all the time. He would get me tickets like to sideline passes, all that stuff. And so this was like, even over Christmas, like we spent Christmas together. So it wasn't just me making up a scenario in my head. Like we were dating. And then I remember all of a sudden my ex-friend who worked for the Texans at the time was like, you can't go on the sidelines anymore. And I'm like, huh? Why? And I couldn't reach the guy. I won't say his name and I won't out him, but couldn't reach him. And I was like, oh, he's probably busy because it was around... Like, I think it was during playoffs. And this is when the Texans were actually doing something with themselves. And so I was like, it's during playoffs. Like he's busy. It's fine. And she was like, you can't come on the sidelines because so-and-so's wife says you can't come anymore. Like they're trying to sue us. And I'm like, but they're separated. Apparently they had gotten back together and he forgot to tell me. Oh, I forgot to let you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when she found all our messages or whatever, he probably was like, and I don't know, I'm just guessing. He's probably like, oh yeah, she's crazy. She's obsessed with me. Like it's nothing. I don't know what happened. I'm guessing. And so they tried to get me kicked out of Texans games. And this girl at the time was this girl that was my friend. She was like, do you know how much Stephanie spends with us every year? Cause I was like in club season tickets, whatever. And she was like, she doesn't just come to the games for free. She pays for her seats. Like, yeah, like he gives her sideline passes, but she pays this much money every season. She has her PSLs. Like, oh, they're trying to keep out of the whole stadium. Yeah, they had tried. So I couldn't go to sidelines anymore, but they were also trying to kick me out of the whole, like the games because this woman was threatening to sue them. I don't know on what grounds, but she was like threatening to sue them because it was my fault or whatever. And then a couple of years later, this was like maybe three years ago now, he got traded to the Seahawks and he was messaging me again, like on Snapchat, like the covert app that people, you know how it is. And he's like, I just wanted to tell you, I'm so sorry how I treated you. It was super unfair. I should have been honest with you. I really cared for you. He didn't love bum me ever. So that was good. But he was just like, I really cared for you. And I really just treated you like shit. And I'm just really sorry. And I was like, well, I really appreciate that. And I was like, how is your wife? And he's like, oh, well, she's in Los Angeles. And I was like, oh, like, you know, meaning they broke up. Like she, they don't live together. I'm like, okay. He's like, well, can I fly you out here? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. And so he just like sends me a thousand dollars. He sends me a thousand dollars and he's like, book yourself a first class ticket. I'll bring you to the game. Mm -hmm. 
like, we'll have fun. And I was like, Oh, I'll think about it. So I booked the ticket and it gets to be like two days before I'm supposed to leave. And I'm not hearing from him. So his wife, I had blocked on Instagram since back then, because I didn't want her or her friends stalking me because they were like coming on my page, talking shit to me, whatever. So I unblock her. She's way pregnant with his kid, way pregnant. And they were still together. (laughs) Now, let me tell you this, right? So that when men are doing that, I did that, like just trying to still cheat. And when a man is in that mindset, they have no fear. Man, none, zero, zero fear, like bold, bold as hell. Bold, really bold, audacious, bold, <laughs> no fear. And now I think about what I was doing, and I'm like, how did I even have the heart I know. to do that? Like, yeah, come on, no, you know, my girl, dang, so she is pregnant. And he wants to find you out. Yeah, I was like, hey, buddy. I'm like, I guess I'm not coming up, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, some stuff happened. I was like, I'm sure a lot of things happened. Now they're actually divorced. Like, I've seen it, that they're actually divorced. And I'm just like, of course they are, because he's a fucking cheater. Like, he's horrible. I don't know anything about her. She had her own problems. Yeah, she went through it, for sure. And now she has to be attached to him forever because they have a kid. Yep. So wow, and I, I think about the things that I've done like that. I don't know how I had the nerve, even the heart or the mindset. So that just goes to show where I was. And I, when men are doing that, it's a sickness too because they block everything out. What if I get caught? What if she finds out? Oh, I'll make up a lie. Oh, she'll be fine. She's gonna say she's yeah. not going anywhere. He just wanted you. She's not going anywhere, brother. In his mind, he's like, We're gonna get divorced anyway. Three years from now, I'll pay her. I want Stephanie. That's how they do it. Yeah. So as I was saying earlier, like pro athletes are off my list. (laughs) We we don't play that game anymore. (laughs) I get it. I get it. But you're right though. Like my mom says to me, she says, the more you have in common, the better it is. And I'm like, I thought opposites attract. No, no, no. Remember I told you opposites subtract. Yes. And so I think that I need to be with someone just as learned as me. That's done as much like self-reflection and work as I have. That's why we talked earlier about he needs to know what you like, what you're doing. You need to know it's a support thing. If you're doing a podcast, okay, Steph, how can I help you with your podcast? How can we get your viewers to go from here to here? How can I help you? And you say, hey, maybe he wants to open a car wash, whatever. Okay, let's think of a name. Let's get an LLC. Let's get a sign. Let's go look for a land. Let's go look for a, plot, a lot. So your mother's right. The more you have in common, trust me, because I was with the woman for a long time. And guess what? We had nothing in common. Zero. And when you don't have anything in common with anybody, you're not compatible, of course. But there's no chemistry. Being physical with each other sucks. You're unhappy. You don't listen. You take turns talking. You don't communicate. The more you have in common and the more you talk, you talk about seasons and reasons, love languages, relationship vows, you'll be fine. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. Speaking of that, Leon, how can my viewers and listeners support you? My thing is like, once we get off of here, I'm going to go eat and I'm going to spend the next two hours responding because I try to respond to everybody. You're so amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's like when I post a video, it start off slow and sometimes I post one and it's so I'm like, oh, but I asked to be here. God put me on this journey. So I go in because women have questions that they want to know answers to. 
And it takes me days to get through all of them. Sometimes I don't get through all of them, but just support-wise, as far as ask me questions, I don't mind that. Commenting, I'm cool with that, but always ask questions because I like to help people. And I try to get to all of the questions that I can. It may take me days and I may not get to all of them because then I post another video and that may post other questions. So I'm like, woo, but I enjoy it. I really do. So no, thank you, Steph, for having me. I enjoy being here. You hold a great podcast too. Thank you. Very good. You You know what? In 2019, I did 37 interviews, radio, TV, and podcasts, right? From April to June, I was driving from Chicago to Cleveland because I'm from Cleveland. Back and forth, hey, I had a PR. Hey, you got an interview in Cleveland on Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Can you get there? Yeah, I'm on my, this was my, my first book. So I'm telling this because these people had these podcasts for years. These are older people. But you remind me of those good ones that were doing really well. Engage the questions. So you need to really stay right where you are with the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, and look for some good people to interview. Yes. Because you do a good job of it. You really do. Thank you so much. You know, I've been trying to get Ginger on my podcast that she's like the loving me before we, that one, Ginger. She reposted your video like on her grid. That's how I found you. What is it again? Loving me before we, or loving me after we, or something like that. That's on Instagram? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll look her up. Loving me. I think it's, yeah. Loving me after we, I think that's what it is. I'll find it. Well, anyway, I'll find it. I'll send it to you, but I've been trying to get in touch with her to get her on my podcast. But I think like, Maybe she's just looking for monetary opportunities and that's why she's not responding. But like, I really would love to speak to her because a lot of what she posts really resonates with me. And the fact that I found you through her means a lot to me because I'm so happy to know you and I would love to continue our friendship. Yeah, of course. Definitely. You can always reach out to me. You have any questions? I would ask you to do this. And if you meet a guy and say, hey, Leon, what you think? I do that for my female friends. Now I'll be like, no, 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 no. And so I make them think, I'm like, I said, so he's taking you to dinner. She go, yeah. I said, where's he taking you? We can go to Hooters. I said, you better not. If he's taking you to Lowry's or Gordon's or Mike Dicker's, yeah, bet. Get you a $100 tomahawk steak. And he pays. And it doesn't dinner. have to be like fancy, fancy, but it, not Hooters. But thoughtful, right. Not Hooters is for him, not for her. Yeah, put some thought into it. Yeah, I said, you let him take you to Hooters? This is a friend of mine. She's retired Navy and she's an entrepreneur. I'm like, no. Girl, no. Girl, no. I said, let me talk to him. But I didn't go that far. But yeah, whenever you have any questions, Stephanie, because you know, I'll give you the truth. Reach out and say, hey, what do you think? I got you. (laughs) Thank you. And I do have one more question for you. It's something I ask every guest on my podcast. If you were walking down the street and you saw a 20-year-old Leon walking towards you, and you gave him a big hug. And after you left his embrace, what is one thing that you would tell 20-year-old Leon? I would tell him, <laughs> that's a good question. Because at 20, I had been in the Navy for two years and I was just like a horse. I would tell him, stop being promiscuous. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, because at 20 years old, listen, I was stationed in San Diego with palm trees and palm women and 10, 20 minutes from Mexico, Tijuana, deploying to Australia, Singapore, Thailand. At 20 years old, I had been exposed to a lot of women, a lot of places. And so I would tell them, stop being so promiscuous, man, and meet you a good woman and keep her. Oh, that's good advice. That's good advice, definitely. Because men go to the military and we get exposed to the world and they roll out the red carpet with to a 19-year-old little boy. You ain't got to pay for nothing. Trips, women, liquor, 
I feel like it's almost like God put you on this path though. I feel like God really it did put you on the path to get you where you are right yeah, now. All that stuff I went through and then I get here now I got to continue to perform. That's why I know women like you triggered me, you know that. So I had women come at me like, I'm like, look, I'm sorry. And then next, you know, they're like, oh, okay, Leon. But when they come at me, they're like, I'm like, just go ahead, get it out. I get it. I know. But they change up after I, I don't meet them with fire. I don't meet them with attitude because I know I'm a trigger. And I remind you of your ex because your ex was bald hair. Your ex had a beard. Your ex got a big nose. I look like your ex. I get it. So, hey, go ahead and let me have it. So You actually do look like mine, for real. Yeah, you really see, do. I, women, I think it's been two other women that said that I'm like, hey, look, I'm sorry, you know? Uh, <laughs> let me apologize for him, you know what I'm saying? No, and you don't trigger me at all. You empower me, so. Well, thank you, I'm glad yeah. I can do that, yeah. But Steph, anytime you have any questions, you know, reach out. I like helping women. I like helping men, too, because... They have some issues with women. They don't know what to do or how to handle it. I'm going, I talk to people like every night. I got phone calls coming in at night. So when that video went off, I was like, oh, here we, I wasn't ready for anything viral like that. I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's TikTok for you. It's nothing like it. Yeah. So reach out, let me know. And you're doing a great job for real. You. you know, you made it very fun, very engaging. You asked some very thought provoking questions, but you have a really podcast a podcast I can really see you going up, up and up. Thank you. That means so much to me. I'm so excited. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Stephanie. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that is it for this week's episode with Leon. I hope that you really enjoyed that. And to be honest, I feel like a different person, a changed person after that conversation. We probably could have talked for another hour. We spoke for two hours. It could have been more. And I think Leon and I will continue to be friends. He even told me he was going to vet the guys that I want to date, which is, I mean, I'd be happy to send over the resumes as they come rolling in. But what a great guy to be able to talk so openly about his past, about his discretions about his dark time and be able to listen to me and to what happened to me as well is truly something so special. So I hope you bonded with him just like I did listening to this episode. And I hope that you're going to take away something with you, a lesson learned, something that will appear to you in the future. And you're going to say, you know what? I remember listening to the luxury dropout. Leon was talking to Stephanie and this came up and be able to use it in your everyday conversation. So it's a really important topic to keep in the front of your mind. And so if you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. Let us know your thoughts. Um, Have you been with a narcissist? Have you yourself been the narcissist and are also recovering? And are you in treatment and therapy? What is your takeaways? Also, if you're listening on any streaming platform, please leave me five stars. I would love the feedback from you. And I'm just glad that you're here. So that's it for me. I love you guys. Until next time, this is Stephanie Joplin signing out. Love you guys. That's a wrap for this episode of The Luxury Dropout. Make sure to visit stephaniejoplin.com to find all of Steph's episodes, including full podcast descriptions and photos of her guests. Until next time, besties.